AgriTalk is brought to you by Case IH. Solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH, built by farmers. And by Grounded. Spray smarter and improve herbicide performance with Grounded, a multifunctional adjuvant from Helena. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Down one day, up the next. That describes price action in the grain market so far this week. And today's up should help to generate some upside momentum. Cattle Complex shrugged off the negative influence of gains in the corn market, while lean hogs are working to confirm an upside breakout. Live from your confirmation station via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we'll chat with John Payne of Hedgepoint Global. Directly following the news, Brian Split from agmarket.net. I'm a handsome newsman, Davis Michelson. Now, welcome the host of AgriTalk, Chip Laurie. All right, Davis. Hey, thank you so much, and welcome to AgriTalk. Glad that you're with us on a Tuesday afternoon. How you doing, buddy? Everything good? Everything is super, super duper terrific. How about with That's you? Fantastic. Well, the snow is melting. It's 39 degrees. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a little overcast. I could use okay. a little sun, but uh, but generally speaking, but yeah. yeah, attitudes are pretty good up here. We're uh, sunshiny. Uh, we're sitting on a double nickel right now, 55 wow. degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, took the dog for a walk around the block, and I got to tell you, I it you know it feels like late September again. You know what wow. I mean? It just wow. It's yeah. I thought you were going to say, I'm telling you, that block is bigger than what I remembered it being. <laughs> well, you know, we, we don't always go all the way around. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, looking forward to the conversation with John Payne today. A lot of ground to cover with John, and, and basically uh, in, in the, the note that I shared with him earlier today, I, I said, listen, I'm just curious what you're curious about. Right now, what is it that you are looking at? What is it that is, uh, uh, you know, kind of guiding your outlook for for the individual markets? So we're going to go through each of the markets and and see what John thinks is is the most important. And then uh, second segment with John this morning, excuse me, this afternoon, we will uh, we'll get into what you should be thinking about. Uh, as far as risk management in those markets. So we kind of got a plan laid out. I'm not saying that that John and I will stick to it. No. I'm just saying that we do have a plan. Sure, sure. Well, you know, the best laid plans until the conversation hits the ground or something like that. Isn't that how that goes? Something like that. Mike Tyson is involved. Until a question smacks you in the jaw. I think that's what it is. Is that what it is? I think that's what it is. All right, let's get to the news. Chip March, soft red winter wheat futures opened to steady, then dropped through support at yesterday's low before recovering to trade through and close above resistance at yesterday's high. That's to post an upside reversal. March hard red winter wheat futures also closed above resistance at yesterday's high. Short covering gets most of the credit for the strength in today's wheat trade. Crop watchers note state by state updates show general improvement in crop conditions during July, or excuse me, during January. January. Thank you. March HRW wheat futures twelve and a half cents higher, six thirty and three quarters. March SRW wheat up twelve cents to six oh five and one half. March spring wheat closed at six ninety nine and three quarters for the SAS close. 
but it's up six and a half cents, Chip. Nice move without a lot of, uh, you know, a, a trigger in the market from a headline coming out of Ukraine or a headline out of the crop or something like that is a very nice move to the upside. Didn't Willie Nelson name his guitar Trigger? Uh, no, that was somebody's horse. Mm. Corrective buying in corn futures also helped prices post solid gains. March corn futures opened slightly lower and slipped to a new contract low before reversing to close above yesterday's high for an upside key reversal on the daily chart chip. Follow-through yeah. buying is needed in corn futures tomorrow to confirm that bullish chart signal. Argentine crop watchers note conditions have turned dry, and the next 10 days are expected to be hot and dry in key production areas there. That helped to limit selling in corn futures. March corn futures seven and one half cents higher, four forty-seven and three quarters. May corn up eight and one quarter cents, four fifty-eight and three quarters. July corn futures closed at four sixty-seven and a quarter, up eight cents. Feels good in the corns today, Chip. Sure does. Uh, the corn market has been anticipating a recovery in that Argentine corn crop. If that is threatened, maybe we need to put some some yield concern back into prices. Well, soybean meal futures traded higher for most of the session to support soybean futures and to eventually pull soybean oil prices to the upside. Harvest is advancing in Brazil, and growers are expressing disappointment in early yields. The turn to hot and dry conditions in Argentina also chased sellers out of the soybean meal market to help support the entire complex. March bean futures posted an upside reversal and are set up for a test of resistance at last week's high of 12.47 and one half. March beans were 24 and a half cents higher chip, 12, 18 and three quarters. May beans up 22 and three quarters, 12, 27 and three quarters. July beans closed at 12, 36 and a quarter, up 21 cents. The bean market's got hops today, baby. Yeah, and the meal market has been trading like there's some demand around for U.S. soybean meal. And that that talk or speculation may have gotten into the beans today, too. Well, March cotton was 52 points higher today, 84.78. On your livestocks, heavyweight choice graded boxed beef prices were 96 cents lower this morning, but movement was good. Strength in last week's cash cattle trade also has traders expecting follow through strength in the cash this week. April fat cattle futures 52 and a half higher, 181.75. The June contract up 75 cents, 179.22 and a half. March feeder futures up 270, 241.32 and a half. And on your snout side, a rising cash lean hog index helped to support lean hog futures today. April hogs a buck forty-seven and a half higher chip, eighty-four ninety. The June contract up a buck forty-seven and a half, ninety-seven seventy-five, buddy. All right, thank you very much, Davis. Let's bring in Brian Split from AgMarket.net. How you doing, Brian? I am good. I've got a lot to say, so I'm probably going to talk quick. Uh, well. You must know what you want to talk about. I was going to ask you about, you know, one day it doesn't really prove anything, but upside reversals in the grains, what's it telling us? Yeah, I mean, I think the main thing is you have these upside reversals, not just in one uh, contract, but in corn, in beans, and SRW. They all three did it in the same day. Yeah. Um, so now what I'm lo- looking at on March corn is a trade above last week's high of 453 and a quarter would confirm a double bottom. We have today's low 36 and a half. Then we have the previous low of 36 and three quarters. That would measure up to 469 and three quarters for the measured objective of a double bottom. Okay. Um, on the beans, 1250 is going to be an extremely important area. We were failing there just before the January report. We retested it on that last peak. If we can get through that, that should get us to a 50% retracement of 1299 and a quarter. The gap fills at 1296 and three quarters. 
Um, you look at meal. I know you guys mentioned meal. March settled right at the downtrend from the highs that we had back in November. The 20 day is right there. We have not been above the 20 day since November 28th. Uh, and that is riding right along the downtrend. So if we can get through the 20 day and the downtrend and meal, that should give us some short covering, especially since that puts us right against last week's highs, which we'll likely take out. You'd mentioned the April hogs. April hogs actually broke out a week ago today when they took out 79.35 in the 100 day. They had a secondary breakout later that week when they got through the 200 day and the, those other peaks that we had back from October. Um, and so now we're testing the September monthly highs at 86.05 on the April contract, failed today at 85.92. So might be due for a little bit of a pullback in hogs after this run that we've had. Uh, hopefully we can hold around 81, 80, 82, and then see another leg higher in that contract. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was a positive day around the ag markets. And I was looking for that one big reason. I don't know if there's anything out there other than short covering was covering. Was there? Sometimes it just goes low enough yeah. and you're at support yeah. and the funds are uber short, probably close to record short in beans and extremely short in corn. And we know that the total fund short position in ags is extremely heavy, especially for this time of year. Great stuff, Brian. Thanks, man. We appreciate it. Appreciate you. Hey, Matt Smith. <laughs> that is Brian Split, agmarket.net. We've got John Payne from Hedgepoint Global up next. <laughs> From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Join us in Orlando at the 2024 NCBA Cattle Convention. Don't miss U.S. Farm Report host Tyne Morgan's live taping with industry experts February 1st at noon. Be part of the live audience at the Chuck Wagon Cafe number one. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I am Chip. Glad that you're with us. Davis is here as well. I will be playing the role of Matt Smith on today's show. <laughs> Ed, it is. Uh, I'd like to meet Matt Smith someday, wouldn't you? Well, I can help you with that. Sure. Sure. During the show, anyway. Great. Now, I don't know Matt Smith, but I will be playing Matt Smith through the rest of this segment, anyway. Gotcha. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate Absolutely. That. Happy to do it, Chip. Good to meet you. Good to meet you as well. All right. Let's bring in John Payne. 
from Hedgepoint Global. How are you today, today John? Fantastic. I'm going to be in uh, Orlando with you guys next week. We're not with you, but I'll be there at the same time. So probably oh, be yeah? doing a little better a couple days from now. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Sounds good. Sounds good. Actually, Davis and I are going to stay uh, stay out of Orlando this time. We've got Tyne down there is oh, going to be nice. providing some coverage for us. So, yeah. Very yeah. nice. Well, as long as we're talking a- about CattleCon, let's uh, – Let's stay on cattle. How's uh, how's that market look and feel to you? Well, if you went to bed, call it in Halloween time period, and you woke yeah. up right now with the August contract, you'd be down. You'd see prices down about ten bucks. Although you and I know it's been uh, a pretty rocky ride, uh, both down and up in that feeder market. Uh, you know, if you're looking for any type of, Jeez. I guess, reprieve psychologically in the grains that have really sold off, you're looking at feeders and just the kind of V-shaped recovery we've seen there. So while I'm not optimistic we see that in feed grains, it certainly is possible. I mean, you know, weirder stuff has happened over the last couple of years. So, yeah. uh, you know, for everything we're going to be talking about today, it's all now casting. The uh, future is certainly unknown, as it always right. is. Right, right. You know, I don't mean to get hung up on one particular happening in any given day. But with the upside reversals that we saw in corn and soybeans and wheat, uh, then you throw on top of it a big gain in the feeder cattle market today with corn trading higher. That just didn't make any sense to me. It felt like that was one of the clues that, okay, it's a risk on day. People are, have decided that today is a day to get into ag commodities. I, I just don't know what triggered that. Anything in particular? Well, yeah, I'm not sure if it triggered it or not, but about 1230, we got a letter from one of the companies we subscribe with in Brazil uh, named Williams. I'm not sure who Williams is, but Williams is a company, apparently. And they sent out a letter saying that the the, uh, the folks who do the tax and counting on the ports down in Santos, Brazil, are going on strike the next four days. So I don't know if that's correlated or not. That certainly oh. came out about the same time the markets broke higher. I think it's not going to I don't think it's going to take much given the structure of the markets, both, you know, in the case of, of grains down in the case of feeder cattle up where you could see some reversal here. Um, doesn't take much, you know, as far as the why goes, it, you know, we could get something fleeting and have the market jump 20, 30 cents and have it come right back down. I think that's where, you know, selling grain or at least I'm sorry, reowning grain is difficult for me. Uh, not so much that I don't think prices go higher. It's really, what are you going to do when it goes up? And that, that can create a lot of problems for folks, whether it be in soybeans or corn, uh, you know, you, you certainly don't want to be selling here and miss an upside rally with, you know, 11 months left on the year, you know, nine months before harvest for new crop. But at the same time, uh, you know, have a plan for what you're going to do when it does move. Because, you know, in the case of beans, I mean, we could be off, we could be 50 off our lows within two days. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, you know, when's the rally coming? And it's like, well, this could be the rally. So right. I'm not optimistic for the feed grains just based on supply, uh, both supply of wheat in Russia the supply of soybeans in Brazil are going to be limiting factors. Um, but the markets that aren't fighting those supply numbers, and we'll talk about feeder cattle, they're going to they're going to they're going to be the ones that catch a lot of the ag bid. And, and we've seen that really going back to the, the first of the December, we'll call it. OK. All right. Let's talk about the grain demand. And but I want to stick with with cattle. There was a yep. lot of speculation. Well, I should say cattle and hogs. There was a lot of talk going into that January 12 quarterly grain stocks report that, 
you know, maybe feed and residual use was going to be a little bit stronger than what everybody was looking for. Didn't really turn out that way in in the grain stocks numbers. But I, it, it seems like we've got a pretty hungry livestock industry out there right now, don't we? Yes. Yeah, specifically hogs. Um, and I'm going to talk margin now. So okay. these are margins that we trade. They're not they're not your margins or the guys on the field's margins. These are the CME board margins. So we we essentially we're an OTC provider for uh, folks who want to trade kind of a margin contract. So somebody comes to us and says, "Build us a contract that contains a certain amount of corn corn contracts, a certain amount of meal, and, and then you know we'll do the hogs on the other side." And in the case of cattle, we have a feeder input, corn input, and then the live side. And so we can package these all together, kind of create a per head product. That's what we've done and. Just looking at the numbers, and I'm going to quote these numbers on hogs here. So, you know, they're per head gross margins, and I'll kind of use try to use relative moves here. So we are trading at the levels on hogs as far as gross margins go that we saw really only one other time, and that's the summer of 22. The summer of 21 was almost as good, but at this point, $135 per head margin in the July contract. So that's using May corn, May meal with both have broken hugely in the last two months. And in the case of hogs, we've gone almost straight up. So you've seen those feeding margins really blow out. The one thing we don't track is the wiener pig. So I'm not sure how the wieners have done, but in reality here, pork margins are great just on paper. I mean, you know, if we're calling for liquidation, this isn't the kind of market you're going to want to see. In fact, I would imagine you're going to see some guys at least try to come in and build, build some numbers if they can. I mean, certainly interest rates matter, but you know, when we look at where we are uh, on the on the corn side, um, you know, I had one producer I work with say, you know, corn's cheap, you know, to him. Now, yeah. maybe not on the board relative to dollars, but to him for his inputs, like he's like, I need to, to start accumulating here. And that's what we're going to do on the feeder side on the cattle side. It's a little different because you have that feeder input. So your feeder costs are killing you, especially in the back of the curve. But the grain prices coming off, it certainly helped. So in the case of of uh, of October, let's let's call it March March ca- uh, feeder cattle, and then July corn and knocked hogs. Those are maybe two of the best three years we've seen. Around six hundred fifty dollars a head gross margin. They were around three hundred fifty dollars a head gross margin before. So all in all, here the livestock picture looks pretty good. Now I'm sure you can meet a lot of livestock guys, and I will in a couple of days that are going to say, Nah, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. But the numbers at the CME don't lie. And we can we can see that pretty well in the margin spreads that have taken off. They're up like twenty five percent in the last two weeks. Okay, okay, I'm interested. How might a producer use that hog crush or that cattle crush uh, product to cover their risk? How are they doing that? Well, a producer just of row crops wouldn't. You know, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't advise you using these as trading vehicles unless you're usually you know really using the hogs. For right. one, they're accounting. They're great for accounting for producers uh, of hog production because I can price all of these different inputs in the ex, ex, exit uh, commodity of the same contract. It keeps the, the ambiguity of what the prices are when you start spreading all this stuff around what it is. And then we also calculate it on a per head basis, which the accountants like. As far as producers go, I think they're great to follow and they're great to see, okay, you know, I'm not sure they're leading indicators, but I think they can provide you some sort of insight of who's making money with your product here. And in the case of corn, there's a lot of folks out there who are making money with your product. The problem is there's a lot of other products compete. And in the meantime, 
you know, the marginal bushels in, in the case of corn, which move the board, unfortunately, you know, exports are going to be the ones that kind of move that carry out the most. They're the ones that are, are deflated. But when you look at feed, I don't care really what the USDA says. I find some of it to be laughable. They can even estimate it as well as they do. But the fact of the matter is the numbers, the margin numbers are higher. So the last time we traded at, you know, 375 corn in 2016, you know, feedlot margins were in the fours, $400 per head. Well, now we're up here at $607, $700 per head. So they can afford it. Chicken guys, I don't have much of a calculation there, but the folks I've talked to seem to be doing pretty well. And in the case of the, of the hog guys, as I just mentioned, it really comes down to if you priced your wiener pigs or not. If you did right. do them well and you got good breaks, I mean, I think you should be doing fairly well here. Um, okay. And a lot of it's based on cutout. You know, that's the other part of this too, is that the cutout uh, on on hogs is doing really well. I mean, we've seen, and, and again, speaking cutout numbers here, these are futures contracts that trade at the CME. Uh, the August cutout, so this is the, you know, this is the projected cutout for August is at 105. It was at 97 four days ago. Yeah. So we've seen the cutouts really jump for the deferreds for whatever reason. I I, I can't speak to it, but, um, you know, that, those are all yeah. bullish signs that green shoots, so to speak, that, you know, right. the, the feed grain markets can find a floor here. Right. Well, you look at the structure of that lean hog market, and it seems like a fairly seasonable uh, uh, or seasonal driven structure. You got that February contract, 75, 85. April up at 85 bucks and you jump out to the July contract and June and July contract, it's at 98 bucks. So there is optimism built into the market and it sounds like it's fairly justified. Yeah. Not to mention the grain prices have, you know, we're off 25%. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We've got a lot more ground to cover that I, uh, to cover with John Payne from hedge point global. Um, you know what? Next, let's talk about what's going on down in South America. I want to get a handle on what John's clients down in Brazil are talking about. Nine. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes, where March hard red winter wheat futures were 12 and a half cents higher at 6.30 and three quarters. March SRW wheat up 12 cents, 6.05 and one half. March corn futures were seven and one half cents higher at 4.47 and three quarters. May corn up eight and one quarter cents to 4.58 and three quarters. March soybean futures 24 and one half cents higher at 12.18 and three quarters. May beans up 22 and three quarter cents to 12.27 and three quarters. March cotton was 52 points higher today, 84.78. On your livestocks, April fed cattle 52 and a half higher, 181.75. March feeder futures up $2.70 to 241 32 and a half. And April lean hog futures a buck 47 and one half higher, 84.90 at the close. Get more market news every market day. Try profarmer.com. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. 
The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The truth is hard to come by these days, unless you listen to AgriTalk. Welcome back. I'm Chip. We are in the middle of a conversation with John Payne from Hedgepoint Global. Uh, spent quite a bit of time there talking about what's going on in the livestock markets. I want to move over to more of the row crop stuff, John, here. And, and uh, I, it, it, it feels like all of a sudden Argentina, and the, the, as dry as it's gotten in the forecast, has become an issue. Brazil, we continue to talk about it. But that the, the Brazilian crop... I know the early yields sound like they're disappointing, but at the, the Brazilian crop at least seems to have stabilized, hasn't it? Yeah, the Brazilian crop, I mean, we're kind of past the period where, where it's going to be scary anymore. You know, we're in that end of period for Brazil. So they'll grow the beans first, plant the, the corn second. Uh, they're kind of in that in-between period right now. So there's not a whole lot of crop risk uh, in, in that part of the world. Really, model grass is what you want to look at for corn. It's right. that state that's kind of just north of paraguay and you know that's it's hard for me to analyze it i kind of analyze it in the eyes of a u.s producer but that's that's hard a lot of those guys you know they're in the infancy of their growing so their yields can fluctuate a little bit more than say a guy in illinois you know has been farming for 50 years in the same land um but at this point i i'm not convinced that we're we're any sort of major crop failure you know as i mentioned on the you know the usda numbers before it's like i don't know how these guys count to the metric ton or the bushel, yeah. I, I yeah. you know, we could be five bushels one way or the other. I'll call it 150, I think is where we are. Um, but at this point, you know, Chip, the one thing I've wor- learned from doing this, I've been with uh, this company now for going on two years and they're Brazilian based. And so they're kind of doing the opposite of what, a, you know, Stonex does where they, they've started in the U.S. and fl- fluttered out into the world. This is a world company coming to the U.S. And so they're trying to start and it can acquire U.S. U.S. market share. And the Brazilians, the one thing I've learned is that these guys sell the Chicago board. Um, and that's all they do. They're loaned money to sell the Chicago board. They're not allowed to buy it. We don't let them buy it. We loan them capital to then hedge beans on the Chicago board. Mostly beans, some corn, but they don't use the domestic contract there, the B3, which is going to track their local basis. They use the Chicago contract because it's okay. more liquid. And it's just amazing to me that like you have, you have a lot of volume there that's coming in. And my producers that I work with there, they don't they don't have they might have the opinion not to sell, but their bankers do not want to see them getting long. So all they do is sell. And when the markets go their way, they're not getting out unless they have some sort of crop problem. And right now there are no crop problems. So, 
you know, I think the market is going to have a difficult time really catching a, a bid on on the um, on the buy side until one, these guys sell their physical and buy the contracts back, and then two, we have a U.S. weather problem that'll snap them out of their shorts because at this point, you know, they, these sales represent physical, and it's not so much of a speculation as it is selling ahead without the bushels in the bin yet. So that's kind of where we are. So I think you have an easy trade for a lot of folks to bait is just sell because that's essentially what they're being lended money to do. Now they get to choose when they sell, but when the markets fall, like they have, I mean, a lot of guys are getting loans. They put the trade on immediately. Okay. When they sell and, and how much of the crop they sell, I would imagine they can choose how aggressively sold are they? Because I figure if they're if they are confident in what's coming out of the field, they're going to be fairly aggressively sold. Are they? Not as much physically. I think they're covered up on the board pretty well, and I think the Ford reflects that. Um, but I mean, the, the short term physical supply still hasn't moved yet. I think the market is trying to find a, a kind of an arbitrage buy, uh, and I think it has found it. You know, it found it with the U.S. importing a little bit, and that could be something to kind of snap us out of this little malaise here. Um, you know, for me, there's two things if I'm along beans I want to watch for. One, it's soybean oil. We need to see the edible oil markets turn around. So while we see now our side reversals in the in the feed grains and the oil or the, the beans themselves, we didn't see that in oil today. In fact, canola was down hard early. It did come back, but bean oil sitting at the December 24 lows where everything is kind of consolidating right around 45 cents. And so if you are going to buy or cover, I would say you do it there. Um, but, you know, we're still... 15, 10 cents above where we were pre-COVID when bean oil was 25 cent product, 30 cent product. Right. Now it's 45 right. cent product. And a lot of that is based on the idea that there's going to be this biodiesel demand. So we need to see that develop quickly. Uh, otherwise, the crushers are going to lose their market share. And the crushing bid is what's keeping the U.S. in, in biz right now. It's not the exports. The crush can do it on its own, um, especially if, you know, the, uh, you know the, the, the bean oil markets are rallying. But right now it's been difficult. Right. Right. Do you feel like that support from the U.S. crush is is still coming or is it has it taken too long to develop? Uh, I wish I could be more confident. The only thing I'm confident in is that what I know currently is probably priced in. And that would be that the Brazilians are just going to keep planting. Uh, I, I tried to get some numbers out of our guys knowing I was going to talk to you today about next year. Because, you know, we talked about 150 million metric tons. 150 million metric ton crop in soybeans for Brazil, and I'm just going to pull my numbers here, is like the second biggest crop ever. Mm -hmm. So, you know, while we have weather problems there, it really comes down to, are they going to keep growing year over right. year? And a lot of it has to do more with, like I said, the maturity of the farmer, not so much the acreage growth. The acreage is growing, but you know, you're starting to see farms get a little more mature in their yield production as well as we've moved along here. So there's... You know, there's a lot of things that concern me. Um, but again, I know that, you know that. Um, the, the worry you have is like looking back at 2015. I mean, we 2015, we grew 95 million metric tons. You know, 2021, when it was a bad year, they grew 130 million metric tons. What are we going to grow next year? It's going to be 170. Are we going to keep going up and up? And that's what I've been kind of wondering to the, to the guys I work with that do the math down there. They're not biased on any of this at all, but, you know, they don't want to answer that question. And I don't know why, but they won't tell me what they think the 2024 crop will be. Uh, and that's the next year's crop. And that's for me, like, well, what do we do there? Because if we don't have an RFS program supporting biodiesel, 
Then you have bean oil that would come down to say it's 30 cents again. Like beans could trade into the high nines, low tens easily just because the crush margins won't support it. So, you know, without China, without crush margins, that's when the U.S. producer has to get a little creative. Wow. Wow. Okay. Again, not pessimistic. I don't want to be too. I hate going on these radio shows and just be bearish. Like these are great <laughs> indicators because everybody's bearish. Like we all know this. We all yep. know this. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. Bring wheat into the conversation here. How much of an influence is the wheat going to have on the overall grain trade? Not much. Not not much for the local U.S. wheat market. I think the U.S. board prices need to stay have this premium in over what the global offers are for whatever reason. I don't know why we can't move Kansas City wheat into Egypt, but we just don't. And at this point, Russia has snatched all that market share up. Um, you know, we can go to the we can go to North Africa without having to go through the Red Sea. So you would think we would pick up some business there, but we haven't quite yet. Uh, Asian business is what it is. So you have the the farmers that are going to reduce acreage to a degree. We'll see what the spring guys do. But the U.S. supplies, I think, are amply priced right now. I think the one thing you worry about is the carry. And the carry is the biggest thing about owning commodities that, you know, I've had to teach my friends who want to buy paper commodities and to have them understand, like, there is a cost to owning oil. There's a cost to owning all this stuff. It doesn't just sit there on paper in a stock portfolio like, you know, shares of Apple do. Like, this, this corn has to has to trade, it has to move, otherwise it becomes a negative asset to a degree. So, you know, right now you have this carry in Chicago that's developed in a week, like what are we, 30 wide, 15, 20 cents, 30 wide between the front contract and the next contract. Uh, that is, that's that's a tough thing to own because if you go out and buy December right now, you're buying 30 cents above where we are right now. I'm sorry, Mark, um, I'm sorry, May. Right. You're going out 20, 30 cents and you have to sit on that contract and if the price goes nowhere, the physical price goes nowhere and stays where we are. We're just going to bleed lower into the first notice day. So, you know, I'm, I'm a little tempted to want to jump into anything until first notice day for the March contract, just due to the idea that if the farmers are going to grow what they're going to grow, they're going to need to raise money for it. It's going to have to come from those those bushels that are stored, those likely clear. And then I think the U.S. producer becomes a little more ham-fisted into the summer, knowing, one, maybe corn acres are light, and two, you know, maybe the yields weren't there a year ago. So I'm I'm... I'm not as bearish the flat price moving lower. I'm more bearish the fact that the carry could just develop and stall out and see corn for March trade 450. And then all of a sudden May is at 450. And then we're back down to September at 450. And then it's like, well, December goes off at 430. And it's like, oh, that would be, that's yep. the bearish kind of market I see. Okay. Okay. Good. I, I, I that, that uh, explained it very, very clearly there. Uh, we got the FOMC meeting going on, started today. How closely are you going to be looking at the minutes and listening to what Powell has to say? Well, I'll listen to what he has to say. I, I, I do can start to see some activity just in the sector we're in. We're, this is a this is financial time of the year where everybody has to go to go out and see how you did the year before. Again, we loan money, so we want to see what you know what the guy's margins look like and you know from what i've heard they're not i mean at five and a half percent interest rates it's very difficult some of these ratios that need to be maintained at, at a certain re leverage rate you have to adjust on that and i think the fed is stuck right now between one what do they do with with the the inflation story because inflation has come up but it's you know i hate to use this analogy but it's like if i was 500 pounds and i lost 200 pounds and i'm down to 300 that's awesome but i need to lose another 50. And so oh, yeah. that's that last 50 is the tough part yep. and and not breaking something is hard. And I don't understand how where these job losses are going to come from for me, other than the government. 
that would be the one place that if you really put it to me, say, who, who needs to hemorrhage some jobs here? It'd be yep. the U.S. government. I mean, they have a bloated balance sheet. They can't afford what they're paying for things. They could easily cut some business, you know, cut some 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 people. Um, yeah. But as far as everything else, like the jolts number today was fantastic. And I think going all the way back to the beginning of our conversation with beef, these jobs numbers are solid for pork demand, beef yeah. demand, chicken demand. I mean, I, I live in Chicago, not a greatly populated place anymore, but like lines are out the door to eat. People still want to eat. Consuming consumption is high from my habits. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, demand is still very much a real thing for the meats. No question. Great conversation, John. Thanks, Thanks buddy. Chip. I appreciate you. All right. That is John Payne, Hedgepoint Global. Davis and I will be right back to wrap up today's AgriTalk. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. Join us in Orlando at the 2024 NCBA Cattle Convention. Don't miss U.S. Farm Report host Tyne Morgan's live taping with industry experts February 1st at noon. Be part of the live audience at the Chuck Wagon Cafe number one. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Chip, I uh, have relinquished my character study in Matt Smith. I am now once again the handsome newsman, Davis Michelson. Good deal. Chip, Flo- Good. Chip Flory joins us, everyone. He's here as well. Um, I don't know. We're going to have to ease our way into the John Payne conversation. Struggling here. with supply. Whew. I think that's the bottom bottom line. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. the, the supply issue that corn in particular is, is dealing with. And, you know, yesterday morning we had a conversation with Bill Lapp, mm-hmm. Advanced Economic Solutions talking about the results of the Ag Economist Monitor, which is a survey of Ag Economist done monthly by Farm Journal and, and University of Missouri. And remember, Bill just came right out and said, listen, it, we're talking about king corn. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you're, if you are looking for 
the one overriding factor that that might make it tough to be optimistic in the markets going forward, it is that the story for corn is is mostly price negative, even at the prices that we're at now, even at even at contract lows, it's still easier to construct a price negative story than it is a price positive story. Okay. Okay. And I think well, that's kind of the bottom line that I got from John too. Okay. Well, and I I wonder. Yeah. See, I don't I don't know how how confident pain is in the sustainability of what we've got going today. Let's obviously let's not put too much into one day. But we had news out of Saudi Arabia about the crude oil production. Um we saw an upward response in the crude oil. I'm looking at the front month WTI here up 78 bucks, let's call it on the day to about a buck 10. Um we're almost a dollar higher basically out to the July. Um meanwhile You've got your NASDAQ, you got your S&P, both lower on the day. The Dow's got a little bit of strength in it yet, a little bit yep. of fight today. But um, does it does it feel like a potential flip to you? You mentioned those three reversals, those three key reversals. It, it uh, no, it, it doesn't feel like a flip yet. Mm -mm. No, no, it, where all of a sudden we've got money flowing from equities, Mm -hmm. Or instead of going into equities, they're going into commodities. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like we're at that point yet. Let me ask you this. Okay. When we talk about, uh, because um, Payne used the word malaise in these markets. Uh, <laughs> we're bored. We're sick of it. <laughs> there isn't a whole lot of fresh news here. We see something. Yeah, okay. We get a little pop here and there. What uh, what, what, fix, what fixes the malaise? Can crude oil do that on its own? Uh, no, I, I okay. don't think. Okay. Um, we, you know, boy, it it comes down to the it comes down to the message that I used all the time. Uh, go back five. Oh boy, no, go back. Man, I'm gonna date myself on this. I guess. <laughs> don't go say back these eight numbers. years, eight years, <laughs> ten years. Dating you uh, now, you're dating both of us, brother. Okay. <laughs> when, when the when, when I was out still doing a lot of market outlook for different groups, mm -hmm. I get to the end of the outlook and I'd say, "Listen, find me another billion bushels of corn demand, and it'll change everybody's life. Find yeah. me another 400, 500 million bushels of bean demand, and it will change everybody's life." Well, we thought and i still think that we have found that next leg in bean demand could it be as much as 300 400 million bushels of bean demand a year absolutely absolutely with as much I'm talking uh, renewables as, yeah, as, yeah with as much investment has that has already been made yeah. into the renewable diesel move mm -hmm. uh it needs a feedstock it needs a feedstock, and as the feedstock is more and more available, the story then becomes more and more 
believable, and it starts to feed on itself. We're not to that point where it is feeding on itself yet. So then we need to get back to corn. Where's that extra corn demand come from? Uh You know, we've been talking about it for about three, four weeks here on AgriTalk. Well, we've been talking about it way, way longer than that. But it's been building up momentum over the last three weeks, and that's the sustainable aviation fuel. Um, and and turning corn-based ethanol into a feedstock for jet fuel. And it, it's, uh, it is a, it's a situation where the demand is going to have to be real. You know, it's realizing demand. So it's... It's not like the market is going to build in and price in all of this demand at this point. It's going to make it prove it first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so what that means is we are left dealing with what feels like a burdensome supply of corn with what feels like an adequate supply of soybeans. And, geez, you look at the stocks-to-use ratio on wheat, and it's 35% or something like that. It, and it typically is, but that that's plenty of wheat, plenty of wheat. So it's a supply-side issue in the grain markets, I, I think, at this point. But, like you said, we don't want to make too much out of one day's move, but right. we had a lot of reversals in the markets today, too. That's mm-hmm. got to tell us something. you got to pay attention to it when, uh, when, when those signals are sent. National Weather Service, 6 to 10 day, February 5th through the 9th. Above normal temperatures expected over the entire Corn Belt. Above normal precipitation expected the western half of Illinois, all of Wisconsin, and points to the west of that. All right, big thanks to John for coming on the show today. Got to come back tomorrow morning. We've got Senator Joni Ernst from Iowa and the Farmer Forum right here on AgriTalk. 